0: You're listening to audio from Redeemer Church in Lubbock, Texas. Redeemer Church is a gospel-centered missional family of disciples making disciples in churches planting churches. If you would like to get more information or donate to this ministry, please visit RedeemerLubbock.org. Okay, well, good morning, everybody. Uh, my name is Dusty, I'm one of the pastors here, and um, we're at a really interesting pivot in the book of Romans, which we've been spending, you know, the better part of a, you know, this like academic year together in. And you know, the first eleven chapters were these sweeping, monumental truths about who Jesus is, even helping us understand who we are, our human nature, um, how God's grace intersects with us at a foundational level, what it changes, how God helps us with suffering, what the Holy Spirit does, um, even why it is that we struggle the way that we do, even though we're a Christian in a lot of ways, and um, what God's doing in human history, and much, much more. But all these huge, monumental, foundational truths, and um, if, if it stopped there at the end of chapter 11, I mean, it'd be incredible. You'd learn so much about who God is, you know, on a, um, you know, on a, on a real core level, and even who we are, but um, there, there'd be possibly if, if that's all that God did I, I could see how um, we, we might feel like that there's a, a pretty strong disconnect and I think we already experienced that on um, on our experience of here are these things, these things I believe but what does that have to do with how I live? Like it'd be okay good things to know. That's what God's done how does that relate? You could even enter into some a lot of errors that I actually hear quite a bit, which is something along the lines of, "Hey, look, I, I believe these things, and it doesn't really matter what you do." Which is kind of true, and uh, in terms of your salvation, is by faith in Jesus alone and what the, what Jesus has done on the cross. Uh, but it's also not true that what you do doesn't matter, like as if you're a, a phantom spirit and your body's just here. And in fact, that's actually addressed a lot in the Bible that the body's the body, the spirit's the spirit. It doesn't really matter what I do with the body, and so I I think a lot of us experience a pretty strong disconnect, and I'm really grateful that Romans 12 exists because that's why it exists is to, to bring the everyday in contact with these incredible doctrines and, and in contact with these incredible truths about who Jesus is and in contact with um, all of the significance of the cross and resurrection. And if you're like, well, what disconnect? Well, I mean, I, there's a million different ways. I mean, how about some of you had some really bad experiences with Christians over the years were really mean, really angry um, really judgmental, harsh, and they know so much Bible, and they've been involved in church for so long. Like, what explains that? How would someone that knows the Bible so well be so mean? Like, how, how could that happen? Okay, well, that, there's your disconnect. And that um, just simply knowing a lot of these biblical truths, as important as that is, doesn't necessarily soften and change the heart. Knowledge alone oftentimes doesn't, sometimes doesn't. Or how about even more practically, someone may say, I don't know why I'm so angry. I just blow up at my kids, spouse, roommates, don't know why. I, I, I hate that I'm so angry. I, I don't, like, I believe these things about heaven, uh, but why am I so angry? Or um, I'm just so anxious all the time, so anxious about my future the kids, my life, uh, classes, whatever, whatever those things are for you. But I'm just constantly anxious, super worried about things um, that, but, and I, yes, I believe these things about Jesus, but I'm still still so anxious. And um, you know I've got these problems in my life, different addictions, challenges, and I don't know, like I believe, yeah, 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 I believe about Jesus, but I don't know why I struggle in these ways. Like this is the kind of disconnect we're talking about. So um, in a lot of ways, we introduced this last week in Romans 12, 1 and 2, and that's where the, the real pivot in Romans Happen in the, those two verses, what they talked about was that um, because of god 's mercy because therefore pulling because of Romans one through eleven all of that um, all of that mercy and action of what the cross did um, let 's not be conformed to the world uh, but let's rather be renewed have our, be transformed by the renewing of our mind so that there 's a connection between god 's grace and how we live we want to have our minds renewed so in a lot of ways we 're going to pick up on that um, we 're going to skip down into verse nine, which is what Seth read just a moment ago and You could probably organize this a lot of different ways. There's just rapid-fire bullet points um, on these verses about what a transformed mind looks like, a renewed mind looks like. And um, the thing is, so many of these are going to be relational. Almost all of these are relational, um, which is where a lot of the disconnect really tends to play out, doesn't it? So uh, let's pick up. um, I just kind of organized about four uh, different kinds of disconnection and relationships that are addressed here. And the first one is going to be what I'm just going to describe as the heart. And you could say that values there. And this is in verse nine. And uh, verse nine says, let love be genuine. Um, Let love be genuine. I'm going to pick that one up first. Um, This probably sums up everything else that you're going to hear today, that there would be a genuineness to our love, first of all, to God but also um, to others, and um, th- this is actually really important because uh, people in this part of the country, I'd say the South and then Texas and then West Texas, we really like there to be an external niceness about us, like it's a high value, and I actually really appreciate that about, uh, about Lubbock, really nice people. Of course, that's also kind of the dark side to it all, isn't it, is that we're going to work really hard on our children and be like, um, you say, yes, ma'am, you know, um, no, sir, and, you know, we open doors, all that, right? And now, you know, we'll get them to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, and yes, sir, and no, sir, and there will be a external politeness. Now, what you can't address there is someone that says, yes, sir, and then you walk out of the room and they go, you know, that kind of thing, right? And so, uh, but... What this is saying is not just that you're nice and oh yeah yeah oh, yeah let's get together sometime and oh yeah 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 good, good to see you too and oh, I love that dress and then make fun of them after they leave and all that right um, that this is another a genuineness to our love that there's something genuine. Uh, directly to people, but um, from the heart and not just when they're in front of us, but when they're not around us, that there's something genuine about our love. And of course, that's where the disconnect tends to be so many times is how we relate with each other. And I love the fact that God's love is genuine towards us, um, which is a really important thing. The second part of that verse says, abhor what is evil and hold fast to what is good. And um, there's two parts of that. Like there's like a true like hatred of evil and I like a clinging to good. And sometimes you're like, no, I don't like the word hate. I mean, you shouldn't be hating anything. But that's not true. Um, that The reality is we should hate the things that are broken and wicked and that, um, that damage people but also dishonor God. Um, so, for instance, if, uh, if somebody does something really wicked and your friend was, um, was the victim of that and they come to you and they're like, oh, my gosh, let me tell you what just happened. This person did this terrible thing to me. And you're like, well, oh, I don't hate that. I mean, everybody's got choices to make, and that sounds like they just made one. And, you know, But, like, you think about that. You, you say, man, I hate that that happened to you. I am so sorry that that happened to you. That is, that is wicked. That is broken. And I hate that. I hate that thing. And uh, so this is saying that we hate what's, hate what's broken, and um, we love what's good. In fact, there are times where, and Jesus even modeled this, where you can be angry the right kind of anger is when there is a serious injustice and something that uh, someone is being harmed, God is being dishonored, um, and, and a lot of times that all happens in the same way, um, at the same time, and uh, that there's a time when you're like, man, I, I'm, I'm not going to stand for this, and like, we're, there's a right kind of anger. Um, anger really comes up whenever something that we love is valued and threatened, and you can see that any time a mom uh, is, uh, something happens to one of her babies. It's like, uh-uh, don't you, eat? you know, you could just see that the teeth, this formerly really sweet mom, the fangs and claws and all this, something that she loves, this little kid just got threatened and now it's on. And so this is what it's saying is that we're going to um, abhor things that are evil and wicked. Um, now, I'd like to point out that one of our biggest problems sometimes is, especially when you get real mixed up in life, and right now um, we're in a moment where it's kind of anything goes in terms of morality and whatever you like, if that's, if that's your taste, then you should just go for that Um, and sometimes we end up loving wicked things and hating good things. And we love the darkness, we pursue the darkness, as opposed to cultivating and loving the good and the things that reflect God. This is telling us to hate the right things and to love the right things. And um, this is just a beautiful thing. And by the way, God loves the good things and hates the wrong things. And we kind of reflect that. Abhor what's evil, hold fast to what is good. So these are values, things of the heart in verse 9. Now let's move to um, relationships with um, with other believers. Even though those things had an element of relationship to them that now even gets more specific in verses 10 through 12. Uh, Let's do verse 10. It says, let uh, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor. And this reminds me, we didn't cover verses three through eight, although if you're following along in our reading plan, those are verses that you cover. And uh, those are talking about using our gifts. I think that would be one element of that is you bringing the things that you know and the gifts that you have uh, to bear to benefit other people and enjoying those benefits from others as well. Uh, but this is really saying, hey, look, we want to love and serve one another like family. And um, that there'd be this, this deep connection relationally with each other. Eleven, do not be slothful in zeal, uh, but be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. I love this because I think there's uh, we end up going into weird places spiritually where we treat our spiritual life unlike any other area of our life. Like I've heard this so many times, and truthfully, I'd like to say it was just you know pastoring and I've you know know people and I know how y'all are, but there's truthfully sometimes where I've done the same little strange game with God, where uh, we'll almost say something like, you know, how's how's your soul? Dusty, you know, and I'll say, "Eh, I don't know. I just, it's okay. I mean, I'm just not real motivated and don't really feel a real strong desire to be in the Bible or to really connect with God, whatever the case would be. And you almost feel like, you know, and if God wants to change that desire, um, and you know, give me a strong motivation to be in the Bible and a strong desire to connect with God in prayer, a strong desire to really go deep in my relationship with God and even the way I serve and love other people and to share my faith. If God wants to change my heart on that, man, I'm all ears and he can do that anytime he wants. But for now, I'm just going to kind of go through the motions. And even as you hear me say it, you're like, oh, come on. I mean, it's silly. I mean, what other area for like, you know, if God wants to make me fit or if God wants to make me real smart, then he'll just throw a book down. And, you know, I mean, it's like, no, no, you're going to you're going to go to school for a long time and you're going to read a lot and you're going to learn and you're going to you're going to absorb information. You're going to go to the gym. You're going to you know, it's like it, truly like our spiritual life. I think there's even ways that God has is even designed the human body. If you think about muscles, the way that they work is you you train them. You exercise them as you sleep and recover and, you know, put nutrition into your body. Your body uh, begins to come back a little bit stronger, a little bit, um, a little bit. You vascularize, you come back in a little bit better condition and like by God's design, you work out. And what this is saying is, is don't be slothful in zeal that even your, your desire for God is something that you can cultivate. Yes, that there's also this God element of God fueling a lot of that, but there's very clearly some responsibility you have in the spiritual life to not be slothful. In that, be fervent in spirit, and it's something that's exercised as you go. You're like you're not. In other words, if you feel blah in your spiritual life right now, and you feel like you're just kind of mm, like this, and um, and you're, you're not a victim, you're not a victim of that, and you're not just like, well, until God renews. And there are some seasons of where maybe there's a dark night of the soul. and There's some seasons of real closeness with God, but zeal can be cultivated on your your end. Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Um, and, and I also think it's fair to say that. So goes your love for God. Most of the time, so goes your love for people. Um, That the times that are really hard for me to share my faith, that are really hard for me to motivate motivate myself to really open myself up to other people is when I feel like my love for God has grown colder. So, um, so, yeah, and, and God is zealous, and I, I think it's important to know that um, we're not just saying we need to be really devoted and get ourselves real fired up for Jesus, youth camp style, if you ever went to one of those as a kid, um, that uh, that's not exactly, like, we're almost like, we're going to be zealous, God's kind of indifferent, kind of hanging out, God is zealous, and even in our prayer life, we're not trying to kind of goad God into acting, come on, come on, come on, don't you care about my kid, don't you care about this person in my life, don't you care about this situation, Come on, like getting him going, way more zealous than you, way more zealous. Like we're we're joining him in that and seeing this zealous, passionate God, which I think is really neat. Verse twelve: Rejoice in hope. Uh, rejoice in hope that um, so much hope in Romans one through eleven about God overcoming um, overcoming sin, death, suffering, evil, uh, both in us and around us. And so there's a, a celebration of the hope we have is that the suffering and setbacks you have in life are never the final word. Love that. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. And um, this is really hard because usually when um, when tribulation that's another word for suffering and difficulty comes that um, usually the first thing that happens is we're oh come on. Um, there was one of our staff members that was joking the other day that he and his wife, sometimes that um, that whenever they end up, you know, something goes wrong and, um, you know, some kind of difficulty and they'll be like, yeah, God hates us. Yeah, you know, they'll even joke about that. And so um, it's so true that like where we go a lot of times when things get really hard and there's a real challenge, is like, yeah, he's... Um, yeah, you know, I guess that God's mad at me or, uh, or maybe he's not actually there. Maybe he's not working, but this is saying like a patience in tribulation, even while we walk through suffering of various kinds, um, that there would be this long suffering patient heart that's keeping our, um, even while we're, um, going through the things right now that our, our eyes are on the big picture of what God's doing and the hope of heaven, um, the spirit, and um, there's a big picture of what God's doing in the middle of suffering that you may not experience right now, a patience in the middle of it, be constant in prayer. Um, a constancy in prayer, just this regular connection with God. That's again, where God's developing and cultivating zeal. Um, It's actually probably where you're going to find patience and tribulation. It's probably where the hope we have in Christ are going to become concrete to us. So um, those things all kind of connect there in prayer, I think. A third major overall point, is a consideration of needs among us. So you've got the heart, relationships with each other, and then consideration of needs. You can see this in verses 13, 15, 16. Um, So here's 13, is contribute to the needs of the saints. Um, God is generous with us. And so, whenever we experience God's generosity, Jesus laid his life down for us, was re- resurrected from the dead, and provides for us, it becomes really easy to see all of our resources as they're actually all God's. And I'm stewarding these. I get to enjoy some of these, but I see needs, and I'm able to meet some of these financially. Uh, I'm able to um, you know, give to the church where um, God's kingdom needs are met, but also God's kingdom in Lubbock and beyond are expanded and met. And so- so um, God's generous with me, and that flows through me. Uh, seek to show hospitality um, is uh, another component of this. And you know, a great song, uh, Jesus sought us um, whenever we were a stranger wandering from the fold of God. Is The heart of God is we're wandering, and we are uh, not real sure where we're going, lost. And what he did was he didn't just scream directions at us, that he went and sought us out. And he invited us into his family, into his home, so to speak, And that's really what we do. We show hospitality, including people into our life, into our world. And again, we aren't just generating this, but this is what God has done uh, with us. I love this. This is part of God's nature. And hopefully you're seeing this theme today. Something about who God is, is um, something that we then begin to image out in how we live and love one another. Um, Rejoice, verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. And I love this one too, because uh, this is even like this empathy that we might experience where... And I think this is really incredible advice, by the way, that um, I think we probably do the rejoice with those who rejoice one pretty naturally. If somebody has got a promotion, they got tenure, um, they um, you know, had a birthday, anniversary celebration, whatever, that, you know, just come alongside of them. Man, what, how cool is that? Congratulations on your anniversary, whatever it is. I mean, incredible, that's great. Uh, but then also the mourning with those who mourn that there's something really beautiful. And if you've ever been through a lot of suffering or it's something really hard in your life, that at least in my experience, that um, very few times were there's, was there some kind of really incredible pithy little sentence that someone told me that just fixed everything, that the things that meant the most is when I was going through a really hard time is when people just showed up to the funeral and were with me or um, whenever they just came and sat with me in a room after that news or um, that they just were, were with me, came up and gave me a hug, even no words, those kind of things. Like There's a, this sense of like I want to I carry the grief that you are personally experiencing it would be an honor for me to carry some of that grief with you. I would like to, would like to walk with you in that. So we rejoice with those who re- rejoice. We weep with those who weep. And by the way, Yet again, this is exactly what God does with us. He's able uh, able to experience both of these emotions, so to speak, at the same time. While there's incredible things that are happening in this room right now, God is so happy for you. He's not just um, waiting for the other shoe to drop. He's with you in this moment. He's excited, and um, he's even been the giver of these good things. And at the same time, for those of you that are going through really deep challenges right now, he weeps with you. You saw Jesus do this, um, which is exactly how we know what God is like. Um, If you move to verse 16, the second half of it, it says, do not be haughty, although the other kind of haughty, if you are, then I guess you can be, Uh, but do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. And um, this is is a deep truth, I think, of the scripture, which is that you're not better than anybody. Um, And again, if you think about what God is like, is that how you became a Christian is God associated with the lowly. And I saw this quote one time from Tim Keller that, uh, you know, when you see even the, the most outcast of our society, you see, you know, a, uh, you know, someone that's strung out on drugs, um, you see someone that's a prostitute, you see someone that whatever, whatever it is that would be um, that in your mind, probably the, the, the most socially vulnerable person in our society that that's spiritually what you were when God encountered you. Whenever Jesus met you, uh, that, that that's what you were. And he didn't go, no, get your life cleaned up. Uh, get sober, um, get clean, uh, get out of that profession. Then we'll talk. It's like he just entered into that space, and that's one reason it's incredible and completely out of line for Christians to feel like you're better than anybody. And I think we're kind of known for that a little bit. Is we're up here, you're down here, and if you can kind of get some things cleaned up, then we can talk. Uh, but the reality is, is that's not what God was like with us. And uh, associate with the lowly. Don't be, don't be arrogant and haughty. Uh, but rather, um, just realize that we are all dependent on grace. And I'm pretty convinced of this at this point in my life, that whenever I see something really broken going on in somebody's life, uh, that I think that given the different situations, different upbringing, different um, circumstances, maybe even opportunity for me, that there are very few things that in certain situations that I couldn't be exactly where they are. Like, I don't think that I'm unable to go there. And I think it's a really uh, beautiful thing for God to even help us to see that. And even there's, there's a sense of humility that you're able to, to absorb from even these deep truths that we We've been learning in Romans one through eleven about God's grace. So uh, that's third point. Now, fourth one and the final one, which is where we're going to spend the rest of our time, is in this longer block here in verses fourteen through twenty-one. And which is where you might experience the the strongest disconnection um, in, in relationships is dealing with difficult people and even when there's been conflict. Because these are just some general principles we've heard here of, hey, don't think you're better than anybody. Let's love genuinely. Let's be hospitable. Let's be generous where we see needs. Okay, like that. those are pretty general. And I still think pressing and helpful. But this one here is like, okay, now you've had a falling out. And if you are an adult, I guarantee you're immediately thinking of like, you've got a face right now you're like okay that's that relationship that went really badly and um, it completely unraveled and they said things about me things got back to me that they're saying I said a couple of things about them and we kind of hate each other's guts now you know that there it is and some of you're like no what okay well just give it some time and eventually I promise that you'll end up there with us so let's just read these verses I'm going to start in 14 it says bless those who persecute you Bless and do not curse them. Let's skip down to 16 since we've already handled verse 15. Live in harmony with one another. Um, we already saw that do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Um, repay no one evil for evil, but give thought uh, to what is honorable in the sight of all. Verse 18, if possible, this is a key verse, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Uh, beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, uh, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Uh, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Okay, so if ever there's something that's countercultural to our current moment right now, like this block of scripture right now, with someone where things have gone really bad, maybe somebody that you would even describe as an enemy, um, someone that things have gotten really bad, um, there's been a really nasty falling out in a relationship, that, or someone you disagree with, a political opponent, um, someone that you don't like their views, you don't like their lifestyle, you don't think think uh, you don't like the things that they've said. That right now culturally, what we do is what like we kill them, right? Um, If you don't like them, and then you you murder them. You might murder them online. Um, You'll talk about them. You'll do whatever. And that's usually what we do. I even heard a song um, that maybe some of our number are at a concert about karma and about what we're going to do and what we hope karma will do. And so um, there's a a hope here um, that we're like, well, you know what? If you crossed me, and if you've done bad things to me, and if you've been an enemy of mine in the past, then I hope it all burns down, you know, and good. You got that coming to you. And that, and honestly, in and the whole time, not, not even sensing that this might be out of line with our values um, and with what Christ has done with us, that that's not what Christ has done with you. Let's just think this through for a minute. And if you're not a Christian, this is why I hope this will be compelling to you, is that if you're a Christian, that, um, that what God has done with you is, whenever you've made mistakes, and maybe like even going back to the thing I talked about earlier, maybe an extended period of coldness of heart, indifference to God, and where you're just going through the motions, And yeah, you're here today, but you're not into it. I mean, like, it's just what you do. And maybe you open up the Bible a little bit here and there, but, you know, you're just kind of going through the motions. You're not even sure if you're buying into it right now, um, that, that what would happen? I mean, can you imagine if what God did with that is like, all right, then you're out. If that's how you're going to be towards me, and if your heart's going to be cold towards me, then we're done here. I'm going to go find somebody else that will love me right. You know that. Uh, but rather, what He does is He's long-suffering and He's patient with you. And He didn't just um, jettison you to the sun the first minute that you you weren't following Him or you made some mistakes. You dishonored Him. You sinned. Um, that He just keeps coming back to you. He keeps pursuing you. Grace continues to find you again. And think how out of line it is when we want to. See it all burned down um, around us. Um, let me even ask this a different way. So um, on um, the, the key verse uh, to me on the whole thing was um, that verse 18, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. So let's first talk about those kind of enemies, those people that you had a, a lot of conflict with. Um, whenever you look at that, do you feel like that verse 18 has been true? That as much as you could do, because sometimes you really try and you extend an olive branch and you try um, to, hey, can we sit down? I'd like to own my part in this. Can we just, can we try to square this up? Like you've really tried. And sometimes that's not on you. Like you really have. And I don't even want to release some of you that there's this conflict. You really did your best to try to make things right. They did not reciprocate that, that I just don't even want to tell you, this verse doesn't say there can't be any conflict in your life because that's a two-way street and you only control one side of that. I also feel like it's important to say sometimes even as you're doing the work of forgiveness towards someone that, especially in the cases of abuse or something really broken and sad that's happened, it would not even be appropriate for you to have a relationship with them. So what it means to be at peace with some of these people is from a distance dealing with the Lord on forgiving them, even if it wouldn't be safe or appropriate to have a relationship. But whenever you look at some conflict in your life, have you done what you can do? Or um, whenever things went wrong, do you go to almost immediately to a place of haters gonna hate? and running through all of their, cataloging all of their faults without a sense of maybe what you contributed to the conflict. So do you tend to, do you tend to bring peace to these relationships? I think for some of us, we might need to do some evaluation here that would help identify that disconnect. If there just tends to be a lot of drama in your life and you tend to burn through friendships right and left and friend after friend, after friend, after friend, you have one and then they're gone, friend, gone, friend, gone, um, that there's a common denominator here. And it just shows you there's a disconnect of grace. And uh, perhaps even that reconciling work of friendship um, that there needs to be, that grace needs to trickle in there. Um, Another way I would like to explore it is even, I think this is actually a critically important thing. Are you the kind of friend that when someone comes to you, and maybe you've got mutual friends that are fighting or that there's been a falling out, are you the kind of friend that, you know, to them, you know, would say, oh, yeah, I wouldn't have anything to do with them either. And they did what? You know, and all that. You know, like, just had, it's like you're just dumping gas on this thing and enjoying and, and it burn and, you know, like this, that it's super fun to watch. Or are you the type that's going to say, well, hold on, well, tell me more about that. Say so you said they just up and fired you. Um, like, what do you, what do you mean they up and fired you? Has there not been... They didn't, no performance improvement plan. There had been no conversations. Well, actually there had been. Go, well, tell me about that then. And like a good friend is gonna try to really understand the full story and even probe and be like, all right, well, look, I I think you need to, I think it might be really fair for you I mean, I'm friends with them too. Do you want to go sit down with them and talk? I could even mediate that, you know, because I care about both of y'all and I've talked to both of y'all about this. Are you the type that's trying to pull people together or that likes to dump all the gas onto the fire? Um, And and I think this is a really good question as far as it depends on you that um, live peaceably with all. And again, this is part of of grace in action as God brings peace in relationships and even invites us into that as well. So here's the case I've been making throughout this whole thing. Whether you're talking about conflict and trying to overcome Evil um, um, by, by doing good. We even burn, uh, put these heaping coals on someone's head um, that can, may even continue to have resentment towards us. All of this, this is grace in action. That the case I've been making is that really at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're reflecting the uh, the beauty and the grace of God in relationships, even where there's conflict. And, you know, Romans 12, 1 and 2, that I already mentioned, talk about this. Look at this verse in 2 Corinthians three eighteen. I think this is a beautiful verse. Um, we with unveiled face, uh, beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the spirit. So this is, as we look to Jesus, we're actually transformed to reflect him. This is where the generosity begins to emerge and the hospitality and not feeling like you're better than anyone and reconciling relationships that are broken is that as we see Jesus and as we consider Romans one through 11 and the beauties of God and the nature of God, these things begin to uh, sink deep into our soul. Our minds are renewed by looking at Jesus In our life changes. I want to say this one final way. Um, There's a book I read, not a Christian book, but uh, a book about habits called Atomic Habits. And um, the author made a really interesting point and um you know about changing behaviors and you know that had a few different steps along the way that um you know you can create some habits, like for instance, if you're wanting to go um, you want to start running five miles a week and lose weight or something like that, that develop a habit of like, hey, every morning I'm going to get some running shoes, I'm going to lace them up, I'm going to put my running shoes on. That's actually going to be my habit. And then you'll probably find yourself going for a walk or a light jog and then working that up. So he has some like tips like this, but this is a really interesting observation he made, is the deepest level of transformation and lifestyle change, he said it happens at the identity level, is the case he's making. And so um, one way to say it, even using my example there, is... I need to, I need to get on the treadmill. I need to start running, you know, got to start running. And that's one way to, and you know, and then you might do it. You might get some shoes and develop some habits, but where it really gets baked into your life is we, you don't say I need to run, but I'm a runner. I'm a runner. That's what I do. Is I run. No, I don't. But um, even in fact, this week, um, one of our um, Jancy Harris, uh, it works out at the same gym I do, and I always see her in cardio. She sees me in the white room, and so I was actually going to get up there and, as a joke, get in front of her this week on the treadmill. And act like I was going to go for a run on it, and I couldn't even figure out how to work it. So that tells you on that. But I'm a runner; it's what I do. And the same thing—I don't just watch cowboy games. I'm a cowboy fan, you know. And um, I don't—you could do this with whatever you want to talk. I don't—I don't just try to eat clean. I have a healthy lifestyle. And this is more than just saying these things to ourselves and like trying to manifest it into action. That's not what we're talking about. I'm talking about like a deep sense of belief, a deep sense of belief that I don't just listen to this. This is why this is going to be where the disconnect happens and where I, some people can be so mean that believe so much Bible. I don't just believe some things about God. I don't just believe some things about heaven and eternal life. I'm a believer. And not just because I say it, because it's true. Here's who you are. You're not just someone that goes to church and reads the Bible and believes some things about heaven and believes this doctrine and that doctrine. Here's who you are. You're a child of God, loved by Jesus, redeemed by him, given the spirit, given everything that's God's, um, his, his own nature who it is that he is, is given to you. Um, we have the opportunity now to reflect him in everyday life, not just saying um, I'm a believer, but um, there's something deep and true that changes us, us at the level of identity, uh, deep at the level of the core of the core of the core that even plays out um, in conflict and broken relationships, which is the most countercultural thing that I can possibly imagine. So I'm going to pray that this would be true in us. And even I'm going to pray for some broken relationships. And I'm going to pray right now. In fact, um, while your heads are bowed, if I can pray uh, for anyone, like if you want to raise your hand, if you've got a particularly broken relationship that maybe you don't even know what to do with, I'd like to pray for you right now. If you want to raise your hand. Anybody in here have a particularly broken relationship? Okay, thank you. I'm going to pray for that. Lord, would you redeem and restore um, those relationships of people that just asked for your help on? And even when it's so complicated, I don't don't know those answers for those things. Lord, would you step into that space? Would you uh, bring peace as far as it depends on on them? And um, Lord, redeem. And Lord, would you bring these things deep into our soul, deep at the identity level, um, that grace would uh, transform us? that our minds would be renewed, we wouldn't be conformed to the world, that we would reflect you from one degree of glory to another, that it would all be for you, and even something beautiful would woo people who have never followed, followed you um, into a relationship with you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.